Welcome to Conversations at Basecamp. I'm Noah. And I'm Kim. And we're the co-founders of Kihila, a private community that is a digitized and modernized women's resource group. Our content is designed to provide the universal core skills, confidence, and competence needed to advance and lead today and tomorrow. We believe that representation matters. On this podcast, you'll be able to hear some of the amazing conversations we have in our platform with an incredible array of diverse, empowered women. These conversations have inspired our own personal, professional, and financial lives and given us the confidence to step up and show up as our boldest, truest selves. We hope to spark fire in your soul too and help you on your journey to live on purpose and get in the driver's seat of your life. This is Basecamp for Women on the Rise. Join us, step up, and while you're up there, reach down and bring another woman up too. Welcome everyone to today's Fireside Chat. I am joined by Kahila's Director of Content and Community, Catherine Kwan, <laughs> as well as Shahar Scott to discuss defining your own personal brand. So Shahar Scott leads global brand marketing at Snap Inc. And over the last two decades, Shahar has helped to build and scale global brands and startups, including Snapchat, Apple, Spring, Jawbone, and Pampers, among others. Welcome, Shahar. Thanks, Kim. Thank you, Catherine. So honored to be here. So great to have you here. Um, so our first question is today, you've pivoted many times in your career, not just in companies, but through totally different roles as well as industries. When making a major pivot, how did you position yourself for success in, in these different environments? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, I would say authentically throughout um, is a kind of core to each of those pivots. I've been, I've been given a lot of amazing opportunities. I've always taken each and every opportunity uh, every time that I was afforded the chance to learn something new. Um, it, was, it was an opportunity too great to pass up. And I think for me, you know, making a decision to go from agency to brand or brand back to agency and then back into brand, you know, each time I've, I've learned and taken more of each and every experience and made it cumulative. And so that addition of another skill set, another brand, another opportunity to expand my marketing toolkit, um, you know, I, I, I have not been shy to move around. Actually, the longest I've ever been anywhere is, is at Snap. And, you know, it's it's been an incredible journey. And I have had even within Snap, as you said, many different pivots as the business has grown and evolved tremendously over the course of three and a half plus years. So I would say authenticity is key to that. Um, you know, don't say that you know something when you don't uh, lean into the things that you are looking to learn so that your employer can support you in that journey. I love this idea of, you know, as you've pivoted, it hasn't been turning away from what you were before, but it's more of an expansion. I think that's I think that's an awesome way to look at it. So as a marketer with experience from some of the world's leading companies, how have you been able to identify the best way to speak to your different audiences? Um, and how do you know what's going to resonate? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you don't know. I think um, the way that, that you have confidence in what you're doing is to really immerse yourself in their shoes. So I don't think that you can properly represent a brand or try to communicate with your customer, consumer, user, if you're not one of them. Um, and even then, 
different messages are going to resonate differently. And so testing is really important. Um, user testing is, is important. Um, having the ability to understand if message A or B is going to resonate more. The only way to do that is through testing. But I would just say that really having a pulse, a lot of what we've done at, at SNAP is we use authentic communications from the community itself. We're just looking at what they're doing and we're just sharing that naturally with the rest of the world versus trying to be anything other than what we authentically already are. So taking a look at what your consumer's already doing and just amplifying that is I think the key to the, the message resonating because you already know that they're doing that, for example. On one level, so I completely get that. There's also another level that I think is like, wow, because you think of all of these agencies. I mean, you've worked in some, but I've worked hired some agencies in my past. And I feel like versus listening to what the consumer has, you know, is actually authentically how they're using the product or thinking about it or talking about it is like come up with this whole other concept of what it is, like this persona of a brand. Then you're like, but I don't actually think that's how it's being used. So it's again, like that's going back to what is authentic about like, what is this brand really? And not try to pretend it's something it's not. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and really having a strong POV on what that is, I think. And then, and then having those pillars solidified and, and not, I mean, I, my biggest thing is like not one person owns the brand that's not right. Like everybody is a steward of the brand, the product team, data science, engineering, everybody is part of living up to our brand values. And so as long as the whole company is united around those pillars, then you're not going to mess things up or break things. You know, you might do things that might not resonate or that might not work as well as others. But as long as the whole company is really rallied behind those same truths, pillars, vision, company OKRs, obviously, then it is really hard to mess things up. Um, so back to you, a question, how being in all these different environments, how have you learned to thrive when I'm sure you've had times of chaos and, and lots of, and definitely had lots of change. So what has helped you thrive through those environments? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the, the thing that I remind myself and my team constantly is that the only thing that is constant is change. And so once your perception is that this is normal, that things are going to change every day, projects will get canceled, priorities will shift, then when it happens, you're not caught off guard. And then you can rationally say, okay, how are we going to pivot? I think the, the, the most important skill that my team has and that people can have in those instances is adaptability, but also the ability to manage under ambiguity. And that is actually a core value at SNAP, managing under ambiguity. Your ability to do that is the key to your success and to how you thrive, because that is just expected. Things are not going to be clear because we're in, like innovating in an industry that's never been innovated, innovated before. So there's no way to be like, oh, here's a roadmap. Like here is a playbook. You're welcome. We're literally building it mid-flight and and also growing at the same time. And so the expectation is that things are going to change. They're never going to be how you anticipate. And even if you can think of all the possible scenarios, it's still never going to be exactly how you envisioned it. The market dictates so much, as well as how the community is responding to those things. So just 
having at the very forefront the, the knowledge that it's never going to be what you think it is, then you're never caught off guard and you can rationally come to another solution pretty easily. Awesome. So you're an expert in branding and marketing for companies. What is the best way to brand yourself? I mean, I wouldn't say I'm an expert. I'm, I'm an, I'm an experienced student. You know, I think marketing, why I love marketing and specifically marketing in tech is that there it's always changing. Um, obviously I've been doing this for over 20 years, like before social was social, before digital was a thing, before mobile was the key to everything. So going through all these shifts, the thing that has kept me really excited about it is the fact that it's always innovating. Um, so what, what has kept me kind of at the forefront of it is just, is, is being on the cusp of what's next and just being really excited about that. And right now at Snap, it's AR. How can augmented reality change the way while we're all physically distant to feel connected? We're not going into clothing stores trying a bunch of clothes on anymore, but with AR, you can try on shoes, you can try on makeup, you can, you can try on different nail polish without even leaving your home and then buy those things. And like, that's just a whole new experience that a year ago was a novelty, now it's a utility. And so things like that really excite me and, and keep me um, on the edge of what's happening and also how consumers are engaging with brands. But, you know, like I'm not an expert yet in AR. It's still being built out. I think it's exciting for me that the industry is just totally innovating and responding to how people are consuming and living their lives right now at, in their homes. Yeah, what a fascinating year to um, see all this change and growth, like because of this pandemic, all the new businesses or business ideas that actually went from being, as you said, this, you know, sort of interesting new thing to actually utilized for, for making sales for businesses to continue to push forward. Um, it's such a fascinating year where we see so much I feel like looking back, we're going to have like an amazing, yeah, there's going to be some amazing books written about the businesses that have, how they shifted and the new businesses that came out of this time period. Yeah, totally. Um, so during your time at Apple, you were trained by Steve Jobs's presentation coach, Nancy Duarte. What did you learn from her on how to strengthen your speaking and presentation skills? Yeah. I mean, so I actually grew up stuttering and I went through 12 years of speech therapy, never thought I'd be, uh, you know, in the zoom stage or even on, on any stage as a kid. And through a lot of practice, um, I learned how to present publicly. And then at Apple got to even build that skill set even more so and got to work with, with Duarte we created a whole suite of solutions for the sales team. And also I was responsible for representing the brand in those moments of how we were rolling out different products. And so I got to learn from Nancy as well as her brother-in-law, Michael, and it was just an incredible experience. And, you know, I went through many, many trainings. So they, obviously Nancy's written a ton of books, all of which are amazing. She's done Ted talks. They do a lot of weekend um, programs. They also do a ton of corporate training and I've kind of been through all of it. And I've continued to work with Duarte even at Snap today. And, you know, I learned a lot. Um, I learned about uh, practice. You know, the most important thing is practicing your content 
also knowing your content really, really authentically, not just taking somebody else's presentation, but actually writing your own words is makes it so that it's a lot easier to represent yourself and the brand very um, uniquely, but also in a way that just feels very authentic to who you are. Um, I mean, there's so many things that it, it would take hours to kind of dump all of it, but I would say, you know, I learned about STAR moments. Um, STAR is an acronym, something they'll always remember. So if you think about Steve Jobs and, and his many presentations when he launched the iPod and pulled out that magical piece of hardware out of his Levi's, the little five pocket jeans, and he said, you know, a thousand songs in your pocket. And all of a sudden, music changed. The music industry changed. All of a sudden, artists had the ability to be with you at, at all times on your little device. And, and so that is a star moment. And, and I think that when, when I look to build presentations for executives at Snap or even for our own team and, and the sellers as they're re representing us in the industry, what is that star moment? And sometimes that star moment, it doesn't have to be as dramatic as, as um, you know, an industry shift but it could be a really unique and compelling insight that no one's ever heard before or that only you have the credibility to say. Um, so for example, at Snap, you know, 4 billion snaps are made every single day. I mean, that can stop people in their tracks um, depending on the audience. But yeah, I mean, I learned, I learned a ton, but I'd say that the key takeaway is that presentations are something that you always have to practice. You don't just become an amazing presenter and then you're like, okay, I'm good, I'm done. It's a lifelong skill that you always have to develop. And I strongly recommend Duarte as a key leader in that space. You've got a great audience question on that. Um, how can you ensure that significant presentation practice does not result in an overly rehearsed or overly formal presentation style? Yeah, that is a great question. You know, I think adding personal anecdotes is really important. So for example, for me, I just was very vulnerable and shared that I grew up stuttering, right? So if you take nothing but that from me today, that in of itself is a, is a connection that you've made with me. And so I think making those connections for your audience is really important. Sharing something about you. When I do present about Snap to a large audience, I presented in front of thousands of people, I always start with Snaps of my kids. So instantly the audience gets to know me as a mom, as someone that is playful with them. And, and that's how you connect with your audience. And so even if the rest of your presentation is rehearsed or you've memorized it or feels like you could do it in your sleep, make sure that you have a personal story and a connection point to the audience beyond just here's all the information that I wanna leave you with, but how are they gonna remember you as the presenter? Great advice. Great. So how can you stand out or how can one stand out in a sea of talent out there? That is a great question. Um, you know, I think that when you're telling your, your own story, telling your, and, and really positioning yourself, branding yourself, marketing yourself to a potential employer, um, you know, do it in a unique way. I think that people spend very little time looking at the details of a resume. Um, I oftentimes use LinkedIn as like another way to get to know someone, uh, see who they're connected to, see where else they've worked. I rarely spend a lot of time digging through the details of a resume, 
the ones that I spend like the most time on tell me something very unique about that individual. So an example, uh, I, I hired an intern. It's probably been about 10 years. And he, he stood out to me because he talked about this job that he had in a dirt factory. Um, his dad made him work in a dirt factory. So he, 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 A, learned to work with his hands. He was applying for a job in marketing. So it had nothing to do with marketing. But he told an amazing story. Like I instantly got to know the work ethic that this gentleman had, the kind of perseverance that he had. He had no ego, obviously. And, and, and then he told me that story and it was, it was rooted in also just him having a learning disability and getting kicked out of school. And then that's what resulted in him landing a job in the dirt factory because his dad was not happy. But like, I got to know him and it didn't matter that he had no experience in marketing. I connected with him. And so, you know, I think in a, in a sea of incredible talent, um, connection, like human connection with a, within a, a future employer and that culture fit is just so important. And to even get to that point, you have to stand out. And so I would just say, you know, look at um, your story and how you're telling it both in your resume, but also on your LinkedIn profile. And what are you doing to stand out? Um, how are you making more of yourself come through those two different mediums so that people can get to know you in a way that's like, oh my God, I have to meet this person. Um, and, and that I think is the only way to stand out. But I would also say that having connections and building bridges within a company that you want to go work at is also very valuable. Yeah, I, I love that because um, you're right when there's so many qualified people for kind of every position right out there. Mm -hmm. And, but knowing, knowing your story and understanding how, and we've been talking about this actually lately this fall with um, our community of like writing your own story, knowing your story so that you can then communicate and it does, it becomes this interesting thing about you rather than like, oh, well, here are all, here's all the things that I've done that check the box for that job or whatever you're doing, but actually like the story of who you really are and, and how, and again, it's like, there's that connection that people can find okay. like, oh, this is a person. This is not just yeah. like, I'm not just going through thousands of resumes and, you know, seeing who, but you've got to make a connection. Um, and then also doing your research on the people you might be interviewing with. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, credentials aside, you know, cause I, I think that is just a prerequisite. Like people right. just assume yeah. that you're going to apply to something that you're qualified for. Uh, but then it is about how do you stand out and it is your personality. Yeah. Right. That's, I think that's such great advice. I mean, there's only one of you, there's only one of me. Right. So right. to make it personal. And I, and I wanted to ask a little bit more about that too. So, you know, knowing your story is, the first step, how do you then, you know, are there best practices about telling that story, crafting a narrative, you know, how do you really get people hooked into your story? Yeah, I mean that, I think it depends on what your story is. I mean, if, if humor is a part of who you are as a person, I think that's another great way to infuse a story and really make it memorable. Um, but if that feels off brand to who you are, and you're more sarcastic. I mean, it just depends on on really who you are as a as a human and what what makes you smile and what makes you feel authentic to who you are. Um, and and making sure that that is a part of the story that you're telling. But I would go back to the the, the Duarte reference. It is about practicing it. I mean, practicing it in front of a mirror, uh, practicing it to your friends, um, get feedback from your from your peers from this community here. 
Um, and I, I would just say like tweak it over time. Um, there is a lot about your story that, you know, you kind of, you forget the things that, that are going to um, resonate with people because for you, you've lived it. But try to go through each experience and, and as opposed to just talking about all the metrics that you reached, talk about the things that you, that you learned. Uh, because that is going to really demonstrate to an employer what you're going to be bringing with you. Because the reality is, is like you're going to get trained in their way anyways, usually, and have to learn a whole new business and culture and all that. So what are you going to bring to the table, like soft skills, not just the ones that are prerequisites, that are going to be additive to the team and make sure that you're really expressing those things in a very confident way, like lean into those things. Also, quick question about that intern you hired. Was that story in his email to you or was it in his resume? Where did he stick that? Yeah, and we're still very good friends today. I've hired him at two other companies. Um, so it was it was both in his in his resume. And when I interviewed him, it just came out. And I think that is, again, like he was very vulnerable. He was very honest about um, who he was and what experiences he's he's had, but also the ones that he wants to have. And I think, again, we, we sometimes look at jobs and say, oh, yeah, I think I can do that. Um, or we might portray our, ourselves as having done those things. But employers actually prefer for you to say, I actually don't know how to do that, but I'm a really fast learner or I'm a team player or I'm really good at cross-functional collaboration. Then it doesn't really matter what you do or don't know, because then you can figure it out. And, and, and I think it's the same about, about him is that he was very honest about what he did and didn't know. And so it gave me the confidence to know that A, he's gonna be a great student, but obviously I'm gonna learn a lot from him, which I did. Absolutely. Um, so we have maybe, a, we have a question from the audience. Um, maybe a quick thought on this. How do you combine your professional life and personal life into a successful brand when they're both pretty different? For example, I manage social media, but outside of work, I love strange fitness workouts. How do you market that brand? Um, that was the question. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that there is a difference anymore, especially now when we're literally living at work. Um, I like to say that versus working from home because we're literally living through all the things in the same place. I mean, I don't know that you should differentiate your um, off our self to your professional self. And I think that, that employers are going to want to know what makes you happy, even when you're not working and make sure that you're carving out time to do that so that you come into the office, um, also known as your home now, refreshed, excited, energized. And so I think if you um, have these passion points off hours, it actually is about infusing that into what you're doing or at least sharing that with your colleagues as what makes you you. So I don't know that, that, that there needs to be a, you know, a differentiation. As we all know, there is no such thing as work-life balance. It's all together, right? It's all blended. It is how you want to compartmentalize those different times in your day. Um, but you know, it is just, it's so interconnected now. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I love that because it's also by sharing those unique things about you and your personal life, um, 
your colleagues are going to get to know you better and totally. just the way you build bonds with people and they yeah. get to know like maybe you've got this quirky you know exercise that you do that's really cool and somebody else's some other things to try it you know i yeah, mean share that try it and learn that's cool. yeah yeah totally i think share share the knowledge yes absolutely so this quarter, uh, this quarter's theme is risk. And from your perspective, why is risk a prerequisite for success? And how did you personally gain the confidence to take calculated risks? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that risk is a prerequisite because when you take chances and take risks that you don't know the outcome, you know for a fact that you're gonna learn something. It may be a painful lesson, one that you know results in not reaching your objectives or not reaching the goals that you set out, but that is actually more important than, than achieving them sometimes because then you learn what not to repeat. You also learn why those things don't work. Hopefully you've got metrics in place to understand why something that you thought was gonna work one way didn't. So for me, risk is just part of the learning process there's no possible way that you're going to do everything right perfectly every single time. Otherwise, work would just be really boring. Um, and, and I think it is when you actually make those mistakes, which become learning opportunities and take those risks, is when you actually accelerate yourself as a marketer or as an employee. Because then, or even I, I would say as a leader, because it shows confidence that it's okay. When things don't go the way that you think, you're resilient. You're going to adapt. You're gonna manage the situation even though it didn't happen how you thought it was. And then your company has more confidence in you to then go and take even bigger risks. So, I mean, I've taken risks at leaving jobs, obviously I've taken risks in within companies of launching new products that we didn't know how it was gonna go, of launching campaigns. Again, you don't know how someone's gonna interpret the message. And each time, like even if something worked on paper, or even worked it with the results that we were trying to, you're still gonna learn something through that process. And that is so critical to you growing as a leader. Um, so yeah, I 100% I stand, stand behind that. Um, my husband and I were, were entrepreneurs back on the East Coast and owned a bunch of restaurants. And you know, at the end of 10 years, we actually closed them down and moved to LA. And, one could say that that was a failure, but actually we learned a ton in 10 years and we had 10 different restaurants at one point. And so we learned a ton. We risked a ton. We put a lot of our own investment in that. And we learned a lot, you know, leaving that and closing those doors. And with those doors closing, other doors opened and the opportunity at Snap came along for me. So, you know, I think risk is, is a good thing, not a bad thing. Last question. Um, Shahar, how did you develop your sense of grit and adaptability? You clearly, it, it shines through that you are um, an adaptable person, you, but have you always been that way? Um, I mean, I don't know. You have to ask my mom. No, I mean, I'm Israeli, so I'm like really direct. So probably I've always had a little bit of grit, but yeah. I think it is because I've made mistakes um, and I have taken risks and I've learned from every single one of them. And I am very adaptable because I think that is actually how you succeed in life. I think if you're too rigid, if you're inflexible, people don't want to work with you. People don't want to be around you. You're not going to be happy. And so for me, I mean, being adaptable is actually like finding joy in everything. Um, when things don't go your way, when things are not what you kind of 
hoped they would be. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I would just say like, I've obviously had a lot of work experience, but even life experience, I mean, becoming a mom, like that was not, like I had to go through IVF. That was not the way that I, oh, and I was a young girl thought like, that's how I'm going to become a mom. So I think just being flexible and, and having confidence that it's going to work itself out exactly how it's meant to be in the end, then you're going to be okay. And you're going to have confidence through that experience. So, um, I, yeah. I do have to ask, were you ever a perfectionist? Because I mean, I was not, I don't know. Like what, what woman isn't a perfectionist? I mean, I, sure. Of course, of course I always aim for like very ambitious things, but I don't, I mean, you don't let it get in the way is what it sounds like. No, no. I mean, there's no such thing. I think also like whatever my, my perception of perfection is today, I guarantee you tomorrow it's going to change. So I think just being, being ambitious is part of it is more important than perfection. And I bet as a working mom too, right. That just completely your idea of perfectionism just totally pivots. Yes, totally. Completely. Um, well, thank you. 30 minutes just flew by. Oh my God. That just flew by. <laughs> but we crammed so much. There's so much value in this yeah, conversation. I feel like we, we learned so much about you. That was great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Thank you for joining us. This was an awesome conversation and really look forward to bringing you back. Would love that. So thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, we'll see you back on the platform. And in the meantime, don't forget to step up. And while you're stepping up to reach down and, and help a woman raise up with you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you choosing to spend your time with us. If you love this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe.